Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Power blackouts. They happen every year, but guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Obviously, my brand, first and foremost, is I'm a person that people associate with sports. But I also think that I'm a person that people associate with family, and that is, I find, uh, very nice. We were always proud on the old show of doing a show that you could listen to with your kids in the car, that, that, that a lot of sports talk became kind of mixed with guy talk, as it was somewhat and to some degree known. And we were never that. We were always a family-friendly yeah. show. And I think that has extended on into this next iteration of my career. And I feel very good about that. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am, of course, Donnie Deutsch, and this is On Brand. Uh, and we are the podcast that is built on a simple premise that uh, everything is a brand today. Every person, every celebrity, every athlete, uh, every company, every corporation, every movement, uh, every political party, all brands. And brand is a set of values. And we do two things here. First, we uh, interview a big person about their own personal brand. And today we've got uh, Mike Greeny Greenberg, uh, one of the biggest personalities from ESPN. He, of course, hosts First Take. Uh, and he's got his own uh, radio show, Greeny. Uh, he is a huge presence uh, and just one of the best guys in television. We're going to talk sports and a lot of other things, maybe some politics with, with Mike Greenberg. And we also do what we call our brands of the week, uh, which are the brand, which, which brands are kind of dictating which way the world is going, who's up, who's down. And let's get right into it. Our first off, our brand off the Democrats. Um, they're leading in both polling averages for the first time this year. The two polling averages, generic congressional polling averages of 538 Real Clear Politics, 
for the first time since November, since last November, they're actually winning in both generic polls, in the congressional polls, both in terms of uh, the real clear politics, which kind of does an amalgamation of polls, as does 538. And um, also, uh, you know, Biden's numbers are up. And, you know, this is a function of a couple of things. Uh, and just also the, the Democrats took the lead from Republicans 44 to 43 percent. And that was a uh, Republicans had held a two and a half point lead before the draft court decision that would strike down Roe v. Wade. So a couple of things are happening. Biden's getting some legislation through. And um, I think the Roe v. Wade thing has, has, has and will hurt the Republicans, obviously. And I also think, obviously, the Trump news. I mean, it's helping Trump, but I think it's still overall hurting the Republicans. When I say helping Trump, bizarrely enough, his numbers are up since the FBI thing. He's playing the victim. He does that well, but we're going to continue to watch that. Also, Democrats have closed the enthusiasm gap. The two-point GOP advantage is down from 17 points in March and eight points in May. So, you know, basically six months ago, uh, Republicans had a 17-point enthusiasm uh, lead over the— that's basically, are you really enthusiastic about your party and the candidates? And that has shrunk to basically a tie. So things moving certainly in the right direction for the Democrats, but obviously time will tell. Brand up for Anthony Fauci, I think an American hero. He's stepping down. Um, he started with the National Institute of Health since 1968 when Lyndon Johnson was president. He's advised every president since Ronald Reagan. And there aren't a lot of experts, leaders, uh, heads of organizations that can go through a Ronald Reagan, a George H.W. Bush, a Ronald, a Bill Clinton, a George W. Bush, a Barack Obama, uh, a Donald Trump, a Joe Biden. And that says it all about this guy. And he obviously, I, we all know all too well how he got us through COVID and uh Hats off to Dr. Fauci. Brand down for uh, Dr. Oz, of course, running for Republican Senate seat in Pennsylvania. He's really losing in the polls, but this is when also you, you know, brands are authentic. And this is when sometimes not being a politician, it worked for Trump, but it's working against this guy. Some poop tweets have resurfaced on his campaign. Basically, uh, him tweeting things like, what does your poop say about your health? Learn here, reads one tweet from April 2013. Oz's Twitter account once talked to length more about fecal matters. Uh, and on March 2018, a tweet showed Oz polling the studio audience about their wipe type. So I would love to be cutting commercials using this, that he is the bowel movement candidate versus the candidate that understands the issue. So certainly a brand down for him. Even Trump has said, quote unquote, he's heard, it, conservative bigwigs arrived earlier this summer and heard Trump say he's going to fucking lose. So there you go. Even Donald Trump knows what's going on. Here's, here's a real prize. GOP's Carrie Lake, uh, brand down. She's the Arizona candidate for Senate, one of Trump's backed ones, one of the ones that's going to cost the Republicans the Senate. Listen to this one. She endorsed Jaron Jackson for Oklahoma State Senate. This guy Jackson said that being gay is disgusting, called the LGBTQ lifestyle the gateway to pedophilia, and said he is not beholden to Jews in posts and videos on right-wing social media. He said all Jews will go to hell if they don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like everybody else. And this is who Carrie Lake, a United States senatorial candidate from the great state of Arizona, is backing this candidate with these views. So there you go, Republicans. Nice job with your candidates. Brand down for the Texas school, for uh, the Keller Texas Independent Schools District. They've been banning books and they just banned Anne Frank's diary, the graphic adaptation. It's been said that the, the New York Times said this is an engaging effective that it's easy to imagine replacing the original diary in classrooms among younger readers. And basically they threw this book out. They didn't think it was um, uh, good for their students. There you go. Burning books, banning books. Brand now for the Fed. Um, a survey Monday showed that business economists are skeptical the Fed can bring inflation down without sinking the economy. 
73% of respondents doubted the Fed can bring inflation down at stated target 2% without setting off a recession. So a lot of people not believing the Fed has the tools to basically get us out of inflation without dripping into a recession. And, and obviously that's not good news for anybody. Brand up or down, I, I cut it either way, for what's called quiet quitting. What is quiet quitting? Well, actually brand down, it's not even a question, but brand up for this is a thing that's kind of coming on the scene. Basically, quiet quitting is not really quitting, but it's basically setting boundaries at work. It's, it's a philosophy that you close your laptop at 5 p.m., do only assigned tasks, spend more time with your family. Uh, these are just some of the common examples used to define the latest workplace trend and quiet quitting. A lot of Gen Z people do it. And I got news for you as a guy who ran a company. You might as well quit. Because if your philosophy is you're only going to do what you're paid to do and you're going to close your laptop at 5 p.m., you will not be successful in any endeavor. I mean, it's that simple. So quiet, quit, or you want, you might as well quit. That's really fucking stupid. Brand up for children always, because children, as the song says, are our future. But brand down for the rising costs of children. Get this one. To raise a child by the time to get them through high school today will cost you an average of 310000 each. That's 26,000 more than high school than it was just two years ago. Now, if you think about the cost of college, and if you say, let's say the cost of college for a private college is, I'm going to say on the very low end, 40,000 a year, 50,000 a year. So of course, to get a kid through college from the time they're born, it's going to cost a half a million bucks. So that's tough stuff. Uh, it ain't, you know, it ain't cheap raising kids. Obviously, I think kids, whatever they're, it's the best thing in the world. I've got three. I highly recommend it, but you better get to work. Impulse buying, brand up. This is interesting. Despite recession fears and fueled by revenge spending, Americans are spending $314 a month on impulse purchases. Cost of living is surging. Still 73% of adults said most of their purchases tend to be spontaneous. That's according to a survey by Slick Deals Net. Um, shoppers now spend $314 on average a month of impulse buys, up from 276 in 2021 and 183 in 2020. So, Impulse spending, brand up. This is interesting. Um, brand down for R-rated movies. R-rated movies released this year have so far accounted for their lowest share of annual box office revenue in decades. The trend appears to be self-reinforcing, influencing studios' decisions about what kind of movies you can see in theaters. Every movie that grossed over 100 million in 2021 was rated PG-13, and every movie that grossed over 100 million this year has been rated PG-13 or G. It's interesting that R-rated movies only account for 26% of box office, as opposed to PG-13, which is 48%, and PG, which is 20%. PG-13 is obviously most of the big 10-hole movies, the, the superhero movies and things like that, but bad news for R-rated movies. Love R-rated movies. Um, that's most, R-rated is most of the stuff you see in streaming now, so it's not going away, it's just not in theaters as much. Huge brand down for Will Smith. His first Q scores have been revealed uh, since he his, his very famous slap at the Oscars. And they've gone down dramatically. Q-stores are semi-annual surveys which poll 1,800 consumers age six and up. Historically, he's been placed alongside the most beloved figures like Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. But since the survey, his Q-stores have plummeted from a stellar 39 down to 24. 24% means surveyed know who of Smith and Cannon is one of their favorite personalities. That's a huge drop. So Jada Pinkett went from 13 to 6, and her negative score went from 29 to 44. His negative score doubled from less than 10 to 26. So his positives are way down, his negatives are way up. And that's a big deal. That's the way you measure kind of the bankability, the likability, the sellability of a artist, of a, of a movie star or a TV actor. 
So that's bad news for Will Smith. We'll see what he does with that. Brand up for the NBA, as I give them so many times, they get so many things right. To encourage fans to vote, the NBA won't hold games on election day. In 2020, the league announced it was converting a number of arenas into polling locations, presidential election. They want more people to vote. Uh, the scheduling decision came with the NBA's family focus on promoting nonpartisan civic engagement and encouraging fans to make a plan and vote during midterm elections, the league said in a tweet. So brand up for the NBA. Brand up for wood. Fireproof wood. Scientists develop invisible coating that could revolutionize construction industry. Wood, one of the most common building materials, but obviously has its weakness, namely fire. Well, researchers at Nanyutang Technological University of Singapore say their invention allows the natural beauty of wood to shine through and only activates through exposure to flames, keeping it fireproof. Wow, that would be a big deal. Hearing aids, brand up. The FDA has cleared a path for hearing aids to be sold over the counter. The FDA has decided to allow hearing aids to be sold over the counter without a prescription for adults. Under the FDA's new rule, people with mild to moderate hearing loss should be able to buy hearing aids online in retail stores as soon as October without being required to see a doctor for an exam or get a prescription. Cost of hearing aids, which tend to include visits with an audiologist, range from $1,400 at Costco to $4,700 more. So this is going to make it much, much more affordable. This is great news. This is a big deal for those even slightly hearing impaired. A big brand down, literally and figuratively, for Ethiopian Airlines. A plane failed to descend as pilots reportedly fell asleep during flight. How about that one? You're back eating your, your, your nachos or whatever you're eating on Ethiopian Airlines, probably not nachos, but whatever you're eating, and the pilot's full asleep. The incident took board aboard a Boeing 737-800 en route from Khartoum to Addis Abada. When the pilots fell asleep, the aircraft continued to pass the top of descent. Data obtained from the website in case the aircraft was cruising at 37,000 feet on autopilot when it failed to descend. And once it failed to descend, an alarm went off and woke the pilots up. But rule of thumb, pilots should probably not be falling asleep. Just so, you know, I don't necessarily expect so much from my pilots, but you, you don't want them to fall asleep. Speaking of planes, brand up for seaplanes. New York to D.C. will now be able to go by seaplane, uh, which obviously saves so much time because the problem with flying to... Uh, from New York to uh, Washington is you got to go to the airport. And this, now you can go leave right from the city, from the from the water at the East River, and you'll be able to get about ninety minutes the total route, um, which is a much more traditional. Which a price it's pricey, but a better alternative than the train service, much easier than flying going to airports. So brand up for that. Brand down for Dodge muscle cars. Dodge will be discontinuing its Challenger and Charger muscle cars next year. They brought them back in the 2000, the famous muscle cars, you know, from the days, the old GTO and things like that. But they're discontinuing them, so no more muscle cars. That sucks. I always like those brands. This is an interesting, huge brand down for, for soda. Scientists found rats get stupider when they drink soda. They did a test where they basically... The scientists found that most of the soda drinkers, specifically two, they, they separated uh, mouses, mice, rats, whatever they are, into two, into different age groups. And they gave the different age groups, two-month, eight-month, and 14-month-old, all, some got water, and some of the, all of the age groups got soda. And they found that during the behavioral test, the scientists found that the most soda drinkers, specifically the two- and eight-month-olds, had worse memories and generally lower cognitive function than their counterparts, thus causing some serious difficulty when they tried to get around those damn mazes. There you go. So brand down for soda. This is amazing. Brand up for Snoop Dogg. Always brand up for Snoop Dogg. He's releasing his, old his own breakfast cereal, which is called Snoop Loops. I mean, last week was great news on, on brand when we talked about Frankenberry and Kortchak, Count Chocolate coming back. Great news for cereal. Another great week for cereal. Snoop Loops, 
whose mascot is a cartoon dog, obviously, are produced through the Broadest Foods label, which is run by Percy Master P. Miller. It's not clear when they'll be available in stores, but I think Snoop Loops already is a huge win. Just the name and thinking is cereal. I will be first online for Snoop Loops. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop eating my Frankenberry uh, and Count Chocula, but certainly Snoop Loops. And finally, Krispy Kreme donut, doggy donuts. Show your pups some love with Krispy Kreme doggy donuts. They're now celebrating National Dog Day with doggy donuts for the first time in the U.S., offering limited edition baked treats for dogs. Uh, Krispy Kreme's doggy donuts include six donut-shaped dog biscuits inspired by classic Krispy Kreme donuts. Good news for dogs, good news for Krispy Kreme. And those are our brands of the week. Now let's get to our interview with Mike Greeny Greenberg of ESPN. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power, to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. I am thrilled with today's guest. I am a big fan. We haven't spoken in a number of years. Did my old CNBC show. Mike Greenberg is a, is a man, a I'm the present man. He's, of course, the host of Get Up on ESPN hit show. NBA Countdown, he's the host. Uh, the Greeny Show on uh, radio. He uh, also is, uh, anchors the uh, big NFL draft. Uh, he is a man for all seasons. Stuyvesant High School graduate. Mike Greenberg, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be back. It's a pleasure to see you. It has been far too long. Most importantly, prognostication for the Jets this year. As a diehard Jets fan, I know how you live and breathe. I know from as a kid growing up, your parents, they they bestowed that upon you. And and I I I I, you know, that's 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 a tough, tough route to to handle. Unfortunately, it has been uh, tough over the years. Here's what I would say. I think most Jet fans right now, Donnie, are somewhat cautiously optimistic, which is to say they've gotten a lot of things right since last season ended. Now, the most important thing I can tell you about that, and it goes without saying, is that no games have been played since last season ended. So you never really know if these things translate. But they had an excellent draft uh, by almost everyone's yes. standard. They had the best draft of anyone in the NFL. They spent a lot of money in free agency, and they spent it wisely. So I think there is real cause to believe they will be much better. Now, does that translate into making the playoffs or anything? It's hard to say because the conference in which they play the AFC is loaded. There are so many good teams. Yeah. And the Jets remain incredibly young. But I do think you will know it when you see it. If, if you see market improvement, if the quarterback in particular looks a that's, lot better that's this your, year, that's your answer. then that's your I think answer. they will turn the corner and they will be headed in the right direction. And then maybe a year from now, we can have this conversation again and we'll be talking about the Super Bowl. What sports fans can easily forget, as a guy who ran a business, I understand that, 
that the difference in the Jets is Joe Douglas. You know, you get a guy who just kind of really knows what they're doing and everything. And if you don't have that, if you don't have the management, it, it doesn't matter. And the teams that, that for the most part, year after year, fall short in any sport, do not have the right business infrastructure. You're 100% right. You know, I, I began my career, Donnie, covering the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. And those were the teams led by Michael Jordan and then Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. The general manager of those teams was a guy named Jerry Krause. Sure. Who they generally made fun of a lot because he was small Short and a little around. messy. Yeah, he was a genius. And generally he, people, he, he broke up that team. He broke up that team. He was, people perceive him to be the person who broke up that team Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But 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 what I was going to say was I was going to quote him. He said, players don't win championships, organizations do. Mm-hmm. And he was criticized for that at the yes, time because everyone yes. thought he was trying to diminish Jordan. But I've always said, I think he's right, which is to say, Michael Jordan is the one thread of commonality amongst all those championship teams. But all the rest of the pieces were put in place by people and you have to have the right pieces around the centerpiece. You have to have the right uh, vegetables and potato around the steak. Otherwise, the whole dinner really isn't so good. So you're 100% right. The organization from top to bottom has to know what it's doing to give you a chance. And then you have to try and figure it out from there. So what's your day like? I, I mean, because I was doing my reading on you. I was getting tired just reading. I, I mean, what is it? What is a typical day for you? Well, I love how busy everyone perceives me to be. So keep this quiet. <laughs> But it's not quite as bad as you might think. First and foremost, I hosted a radio show called Mike and Mike for 18 years. For those 18 years, my alarm clock was set for 3.40 a.m. That's the middle of the night. That's waking up in the middle of the night, and that completely takes over your life. Since I started doing Get Up and we go on the air at 8, I don't wake up till 5.30. That's That's normal. What a difference. That's that's like a human hour to get up. So right away... I feel a thousand times better. Yeah. My day during the season, during the basketball season this year, we got a little busy. So I get up in the morning. I get up. We have our meeting at six o'clock. We go on the air at eight o'clock. I host the TV show from eight to 10. I host the radio show from 10 to 12. Then on Wednesdays and Friday, then I go and do whatever I want to do. Then on Wednesdays and Fridays during the NBA season, I come back and we do NBA countdown that night and we have games. And then at some point in the season, that turns into Saturday night games on ABC and then Sunday afternoon games on ABC. So the really, really busy time basketball started after the Super Bowl and ran sort of through the NBA finals. So like a lot of other businesses, I had my really, really busy stretch there. I went mentally prepared for it. I know it's coming and I deal with it. And then in the summer, I get to take a lot of time off and play a lot of golf, which I really enjoy. So all in, the schedule is not nearly as unmanageable as a lot of people perceive it to be. I want to talk radio for a little bit because I was fascinated, and I should know this coming from the business I came from. I was shocked at the demos of sports radio at how young they are, how affluent they are. Uh, compared, And it is one of the last great bastions of radio. And it has not been pillared by podcasts, whatnot. It is a devout, devoted audience. But I was surprised at how upscale the audience is. Absolutely. In sports, I always say we are a niche but we are the biggest niche there is. So uh, sports is not necessarily for everyone, but it is for enormous numbers of people. And it is, to your point, and I don't know how inside baseball this is, but maybe the, the purpose of the, of the podcast is to go inside baseball. If you look at the demos, 
It is by and large men 18 to 34, and they have a lot of the disposable income that you're talking about. The next demo is 25 to 54. Now, one enormous evolution of sports talk that I have seen in my 30 years that I've been doing it. There are two things that have changed the business by far the most. One of them is technology, and obviously that has that encompasses everything. Every business, every industry has been dramatically changed by technology. The second that is specific to what I do is the enormous influx in women who are interested in it, which mm-hmm. is to say, I can show you numbers that would suggest that when I started doing talk shows in the mid-90s, the audience breakdown was probably something between 90 and 92% male. These days, 60, the audience 65. of my TV show is in exactly right. Yeah. It's two out of every three instead of yeah. nine out of every 10. Yeah. And there are a lot of wonderful reasons why that is, primarily Title IX, um, which is, is now you know celebrating this huge anniversary that we've done a lot on at ESPN. But what we have learned is that when girls play sports, they become interested in sports and remain that way for the rest of their lives. Those girls who started that, there were now two generations of them who have grown up to become women who follow sports passionately. And so that is a huge evolution in the industry, actually. So the demos are changing in that regard, but in in a wonderful way, in the best of all possible ways, because it has broadened our reach in ways that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I don't think would have seemed possible. Now, TV Get Up has become a big hit. Didn't start out that way. You had your challenges at the beginning. There's that that big C word, the chemistry issue. Originally, you had Michelle Beadle, very talented, um, and Jalen Rose. But for some reason, it wasn't clear. What makes on-air chemistry work for you? And, and obviously, you're, you're doing a lot of air traffic control on NBA Countdown, a lot of egos, a lot of personalities. What's the secret sauce that when you sit down with a group and you go, ah, I, I get it. This, this, this is why this is clicking. Some of it is just luck. Like, like some people have chemistry and sometimes they don't. And if you don't have chemistry, if you and I, I'm, I'm going to give you my philosophy. If you and I are doing a show together and we have no chemistry, then what you have is Mike plus Donnie. If you and I are doing a show together and we do have chemistry, then what you have is Mike times Donnie. Well, well said. That's the difference. Yeah. So instead of me bringing what I bring, and you bringing what you bring, and we just add those two together and put it out there. I actually make you better, and you make me better. And that is what chemistry is. That's how I would define chemistry in broadcasting and probably in almost anything, frankly, um, in marriage and, and everything in between. Now, much of that, I think, is very difficult to predict, but a huge, which, which is to say, it's almost impossible to yeah. know if you and I were to do a show together, if we would have chemistry or not. Sure. But the one key, so you'll use the NBA show. I believe that the reason our NBA show worked as well as it did this year in our first year together is that all four of us, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, Jalen Rose, and myself, we all came into it thinking, this show is going to be about something bigger than ourselves. And, and I give particular credit to Stephen A. for that. Because Stephen A. is the biggest star. Stephen A. is by far the biggest star in our industry now. In sports, in, in the world of sports media, Stephen A. Smith mm-hmm. is overwhelmingly the number one person. And then you start figuring out who might be number two. And so Stephen A. could have easily walked in and said, this, this is going to be show. my yeah. star vehicles. You guys, you guys follow me. Greedy, you set me up this way and I'll do my thing. And then Michael and Jalen, you'll do whatever you want. But to his everlasting credit, that is not the way he approached it. He walked in saying, guys, I want this to work. Let's figure out how we're going to make it work together. 
And he trusted me. He let me host him. He let me put him in the places I thought would be best suited for him and for the show. And Jalen did the same. And Michael Wilbon did the same. I think it helped that all four of us have our own shows separately. So we're not. Nobody needed to come on there. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody needed to come on. And this is where I'm going to make my bones. I mean, it was just. Exactly. And and so I think that that's sort of the to use a, a term that you might use in, in poker, that's sort of the ante. Like you have to have that going in. Everyone yeah. has to have the agenda of anyone involved, whether it's two people or five or 10, has to be, I want this to work in a, in a way that is larger than just working for me. If everyone has that approach, then you have a real chance. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it will work. And to your point, the beginning of Get Up, the issues that we had, I think, were, were way beyond issues in chemistry. It really wasn't as much that as we went into what I think with the wrong idea. We, we went into it thinking, and I guess just hoping, that the concept was we were going to be a general talk show on ESPN that sort of did some sports, but, but was mostly just meant to appeal to a little different segment of audience than, than Good Morning America on the Today Show right. and shows like that, too. We were going to try and be a true morning show with a sports spin yeah. to it. Right. And we, st- we found out almost immediately that the audience did not want that. No. The, the audience made it very clear to me and to us, basically from, the, from day one, no, no, no. We put on ESPN because we want the sports. And we started pivoting to that almost immediately. And so... That, I think, more than anything, was the key to turning it around, was was understanding, as I always have and you do, and, and I think people who get it do, that I work for the audience. That's my boss. Like, yeah. at, at the end of the day, ESPN, the Walt Disney Company, I mean, they, they, they're the ones who give me a check. But it's the people who turn the television on who decide whether I have a job or not. Because if I'm not doing what they want, then they will go find someone else who is. And I'll, and I'll give you a final thought on this. I know it's been a bit of a long-winded answer, but I, I'm fascinated by this stuff myself. And that is, when I first started doing talk shows, a person that I worked for in Chicago at the time gave me the best advice I've ever gotten, and I've never forgotten it, which is, your job as a host is to reflect interest, not create, create it. it right. Which is to say, I can't tell people what they should be interested in. I need to be doing what they are interested in. If not, they'll go find someone else who is. There are too many options now. There was a time in broadcasting when there were three channels and someone you were going to choose between them. And if Donnie Deutsch is one of the only three shows that's on, right. then 
You can say, you know what, come with me over here. I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and you'll find it interesting. And they wouldn't have any other options, so they would give it a try. Now they've got a million other options to go find exactly what they want. So if you don't give it to them, somebody else will. One is just a little MBA. Um, I can never remember the league being populated by so many appealing players. Uh, it, it just seems that the recent crop, and we can go across, we can go team by team by team, but there are a lot of compelling individuals, more so than I ever, obviously we've lived through so many glory years and, and, and so many dynasties and so many great teams, but just even the, the B and C teams just seem to have, it seems to be in a really appealing young crop that has hit the league the last few years. I think that's right. Um, and I, I think you, you see that in their Q scores. You see that in the way that young people gravitate to them. My own little personal you know, study on this is that my son, who is now 19, grew up playing AAU basketball. It was his only sport from the time he was in third grade until the day that he graduated from, unfortunately, his senior year of high school basketball got canceled by COVID, but you know what I'm saying. And so I watched him and all his friends, and I went to a million different AAU tournaments over the course of 11 years or something like that. And I saw... Whereas when you and I were growing up in this area, it would have been a bunch of Nick jerseys, right? Everyone would have yeah. been wearing a Patrick Ewing jersey sure. or a, yeah. a Bernard King jersey. There, these kids are wearing jerseys from and the sneakers of players all over the league. Of course, absolutely. LeBron, Kyrie, Steph Curry, ja. and it goes yeah, on right, and on. Right, right, and there's right. a young group of those now: Zion and and Ja Morant, who I think is the best of them all. I do too. Luca and right. it, it's 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 tremendous. So yes, I agree with you. And we also are in a time now with player movement and just where society has moved, where I think fans are more fans of players, or every bit as much at least fans of players as they are of teams. Yes. And whereas once upon a time, I would have thought that was a terrible thing for a, a sport and a league. I actually now think it has become a real positive for the league. I think you've hit on the nerve of the brilliance and started with David Stern and, and, and Silver's continued it of the NBA versus, say, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball has never been able to create a star system for their players. When you look at, if I, if you and I listed the top 10 baseball players, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know, Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna Jr., these are not household names. These are not names that these guys can go walking down the street here. And I don't know why baseball, they were Tani now, of course, and Trout. I mean, you take Mike Trout. People don't know, even know what Mike Trout looks like. And I was never understood how baseball was never able to kind of market their players better. I asked that question to Mark Teixeira, and I don't know if you've ever had him on your podcast, no. but if you haven't, I recommend it. He is a super smart, um, obviously was a terrific player for a very long yeah. time, and then came and worked for us at ESPN for a while as an analyst and has now moved on by his own choosing because he's interested in a variety of other things, a lot of things in film and production, and he would be a terrific guest for you. I asked him this question, and he said, there's two differences between baseball and the other sports. One, baseball players, once they make it, make so much money that it's almost impossible for there to be a meaningful amount of money that anyone is offering them that they're going to give up a lot of their free time, which is to say, a guy like Steph Curry is literally making as much money off the court as he is sure, making it absolutely, on. Yeah. The baseball players aren't going to get that kind of money. So a baseball player is not going to go do a gig for $50,000 on yeah. the one off day that he gets between February and October. 
these guys all have a, you know, football, they play once a week, basketball, they play two, three games a week, baseball, they play every single day. And so that's the second piece of it, which is these guys play every day. They are, they are, it's, it is a grind. However, people like to put down how hard it is to play baseball. The truth is it's incredibly hard. It's mentally grueling. It's physically grueling. So these guys don't want to give up an off day to go shoot a, a commercial someplace for an amount of money that isn't going to change their lives. And that was his explanation to that question, that that there is not as much interest in it amongst the players themselves as there is in some of the other sports. And, you know, you can buy that or not buy it, but but it, it was, a, I thought, an interesting answer that he gave me. What's your take specifically, NFL, on you take the Deshaun Watsons of the world. You, you We live in a society where you, you have the NFL that spends umpteen millions of dollars on on we fight domestic violence, we do this, and... And yet the Browns will go out then and shell out $260 million, whatever the number is guaranteed. What If you're running a football team, how do you kind of do that balancing act? I, I mean, it, it, you know, it is, we, you're innocent until proven guilty in this country and he hasn't been charged with any criminal. But when you have you know, 37 civil suits and they're all exactly the same, how do you in good conscience build a franchise around guys like this? What's your take on that? It's extraordinarily complicated. Um, and what I will say is that when Roger first became the commissioner in 2005 or six or seven, whatever it was, one of the first things he did was he established, I remember we used to refer to him as the sheriff is in town. Like he came in and he started trying to clean up the league and over some criticism that he was being heavy handed and they were suspending people and all that kind of stuff. And then things shifted. When the Ray Rice thing is something that I think they have been chasing after for years, I think they now have it right, which is to say these things are adjudicated by other people entirely. So there is a woman named Sue L. Robinson. By the time a lot of people are watching and listening to this podcast, the, the decision on Deshaun Watson discipline will very likely have already taken place. As you and I speak right now, it, we are expecting it pretty much any minute. This decision is now being made by a third party. So you no longer have. The league, which has, no matter how hard they try, and I, I well intended, I believe they are, they obviously have an interest in having great players play, regardless of yeah. other external circumstances. And you no longer have the owners who are intrinsically very competitive people, as as most people in sports and others are, um, making these decisions however they see fit. You know, I've, you now have a. A and you no longer have a, a union making this decision all unto themselves where their, their sole responsibility is to defend their constituents. You now have what I think is the exact right mix here, which is you have a third party who is impartial, who is like a judge and, in fact, was a judge herself and will make these decisions on what the appropriate discipline is for something like this with Deshaun Watson. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Because yeah. as you said, Deshaun Watson has never been charged with a crime. Is it reasonable to say he should never be allowed to work in his field again? Like, I don't know. It is certainly reasonable for you or I to say, if I, Mike Greenberg, owned a football team, I would not sign him. I don't want yeah. him on my team. I don't want that around my team. I don't yeah. want to send that message. That's fine. That's fully reasonable. For the NFL to, to set as a policy, someone who has never been not only convicted of a crime, but charged of a crime, 
but may not be allowed to play ever again. I don't think that's fair. And 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 it, it probably would extend into too many places that would become very unfair. So now you have a third party making a decision like this, and then each individual owner and each individual franchise can make up their own minds on where they themselves draw that line. And I, I don't know if that's a good answer to your that's question. A great, no, that's a great that's, answer. I think that's the right, I think they've got that right now. Another player, and I had a very heated discussion about this, um, Kaepernick, in that if an owner, if I was running a, and I'm a progressive liberal guy, anybody that listens to me knows, and it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm not a radical liberal, but I'm a very progressive individual. Yet if I was running a sports team, you could say, forget moral imperative, it's not good business to bring in a Kaepernick, not because he kneels, but because so much focus on my organization is going to all of a sudden be on the politics of it. And it's not going to be good for the chemistry of the team. Yet you say that, and it's, oh my God, that's not fair. That's not fair. But that, that's a reality. And is that what happened to Kaepernick at the end of the day? Is that, I mean, the fact that he never, what's the, what's the kind of the, the now a little after the fact take on because i can understand owners shying away not because they have an issue with a player kneeling but i don't want the focus of my football team to be constantly politics i understand that but let's dovetail it off of your previous question so we just talked about how owners do you think deshaun watson is a distraction do you, do you yes. think that deshaun okay but owners were lining up yeah. to trade for that guy yeah. So clearly there was something more than the distraction at play here. Right. Would, would signing Colin Kaepernick, and, and forget about now where all this time has passed, but going back to when he first was blackballed from the league, and there's no other word to describe what has happened to him, going back to that time, he was inarguably one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't want to start an argument over whether he was top 10 or top 15. But he, he was a guy there's, that should have had a job, yeah. There's should've, no debate. Yeah, there are yeah. 64 jobs available at minimum at any given time. Yeah. There's zero debate that he deserved one of them. And I think the the other way of looking at the, at, at the way, at this, then the way you're looking at it is, what does it say that there are owners who will put up with any number of other kinds of distractions. I know, it's frightening. But they won't put up with this. So somehow, the distraction that is created by a player kneeling in silent protest, in peaceful protest, uh, during the playing of the National Anthem, is more significant, is not something I'm willing to deal with, but I'm willing to put up with the domestic violence piece of this, the drunk driving piece of this, and, and any number of other things. I'm not here to make a value judgment. I think that what happened was, if you look at the 32 NFL owners, it probably divides into some who didn't want any part of him because they themselves were put off by what yes. he was doing. Yes, we know who they are. And some who fall in the category you're talking about, which is, he'd be good on my team, but not good enough that I'm willing to put up with right. all of this. Yeah. And while that may be intellectually understandable, I see the other side of it, which is, what exactly are you see, are you saying when you say, I'll put up with all these other yes. things, but that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Shifting gears for a second, a dream of yours come true, uh, anchoring the NFL draft, which has become a major sporting event. It's just the job that ESPN has done in creating a Super Bowl-esque type fanfare around choosing players. I mean, whoever kind of said, wait, this is a... 
This is not just a draft thing. This is a moment. This is something we can build. It was a brilliant marketer because it has become a thing. How exciting is that for you to just to be at the center of that whole thing? It's my favorite assignment of yeah. the year. I've, I've done it two years so far. And um, it is my favorite thing to do of the year because, you know, you, you we overuse the expression, it's the ultimate reality show. But what's actually happening simultaneously is that on television, live, right before the eyes of anyone who chooses to watch, is the fortunes of every one of the teams in the most popular sporting league in American history are being reshaped while simultaneously the wildest dreams of 32 young men and their families are coming true. And it goes well beyond 32, obviously, because we have multiple nights and however many picks there are, yeah. 200 and whatever it adds up to. But but on that first night and then on to the second and whatever it is, these people have worked, these young men have worked their whole lives to achieve this. This is the culmination of it. You are seeing that play out with everyone, generally speaking, surrounded by all the people they love and who have helped them get to that moment. And you are actually watching all of that real emotion play out real time, while at the very same time, this incredibly important roster building is taking place in a sport that basically we are in this country consumed by. So uh, it is, it's the best show on TV. And not, it, was, it was that long before I became involved with it, and it will be that long after I stop. Chris Berman will always be the host of, of the NFL draft on ESPN in everyone's memory. He was the best. Trey Wingo did it for some, I don't know, six, seven years and was fantastic. And I am unbelievably lucky to have been asked to take that chair now. And I'm hanging on to it as long as I possibly can. It is my favorite event. In the year. You can tell. You obviously love what you do. You can tell. You can tell on the air. I can tell just talking to you now. You, does it ever get, I don't want to say tiring, but wherever you go, you are everybody's sports fan. So in other words, you're out to dinner, you're eating at Elio's in New York City, and people are coming over and basically doing a call and radio show with you. You know, so Mike, what, what, what do you think? What, what, you know, you know the, exactly where I started the show. Like, you're one of the few people that you, what you do for a living, not, not just because you're a public personality, but you can't get away, that, that takes over your personal life. Like, if you're at a dinner party, people are going to be talking to you and asking, so what do you think of the Jets pick? What do you think? Like, does that... You never get time off, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I guess. But here's what I'd say about that. For the first 10 or so years I was in this business, I was pretty much the only one who knew I was in the business. Right. And this is way better than that. Yeah. You know, like, like every job has some small, well, some jobs have huge drawbacks. I would describe what you're talking about as a very small yes, drawback. Yes, yes, yes. And like you have to take the whatever little bad of that there is with the good. I, like I'm just a kid like you, grew up in New York, crazy sports fan who was never going to be good enough to play. And I tried to figure out a way that I could be as close to it. I always thought when I was growing up, if I could be around sports, if my job could somehow be around sports, it would never feel like work. And somehow out of the thousands and thousands of young people who are my age, who grew up when I did, feeling the same way I did, I get to be the one who's on. Like yeah. I get to be the one who's sitting there on TV and on the radio and all that kind of stuff, doing all the stuff that we're talking about. And people like you want to have me on these really cool 
um, shows and podcasts and, and ask my opinion of them. Like that's a freaking blessing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, every now and again, you know, do you, like, like I was at a wedding over the weekend and a lot of people wanted to talk to me about stuff and Every now and again, do you feel like saying, listen, give me five minutes here. <laughs> sure. I, I want to dance, I want to dance the horror. Leave me alone. <laughs> of course. But, but, but my good, I mean, in the scheme of things, yeah, that no. is such a small High class problem. High class problem. consideration, you know? So, uh, and, and I think if I could digress, if I could just sort of hijack this for a minute, Please. I, I want to make a point about that. One of the reasons that I think we see some of the problems that we see in sports is that in this day and age, and, and I think it's one of the reasons that that we have had historically have had issues with child stars, you know, in show business as well, is that when you achieve whatever notoriety and fame I have, whatever it is, that didn't happen to me till I was well into my 30s. Yeah. And you're a fully formed human being. You kind of understand how to put that in perspective. And you also know what life is like without it. Yeah. If you have been incredibly famous, like some of the star basketball players now, like they've been celebrities since, since they were high 12. School. Yeah, yeah, junior high school. And and if that's the only reality you know, and you don't really fully understand because you've always had it, you sort of take for granted all of the good stuff that comes with it. And I, I don't even mean that to criticize them because they don't know any other world except for being stars. Then you don't appreciate it, you know? And, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is I know what it's like to be an adult and have no one give a damn what I think about anything. Right. And I know what it's like to be an adult and have people walk up to me in restaurants and ask my opinion on the Jets. And yeah. what I will say is this is way better. Yeah. <laughs> like This way is way, way, way better was... than sitting there and saying, doesn't anyone care what I think about this? So better, better that, that, that's a long answer. Better though, analogy, I was just watching Wolf of Wall Street for about the 80th time. And there was a line in there. I mean, different. But when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio says, I've been a rich man, I've been a poor man, I'll choose rich every time. So yeah. I, I hear what you saying. That's right. Question. You guys get to see, obviously, behind the scenes. If I said to you five nicest athletes you know, you said, but these are like the, as far as mensches, best human beings I've come across, who are the people that jump to mind? No, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll try and think through, um, you know, give you like a little wide range of, of sports. Um, you want current or like people that I've dealt with over the course of time? I, either one, just people that come to mind. Uh, oh, so I'll give you, when I first started covering sports, I covered the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Horace Grant was one of the, if you remember him from the first three P Sure, team. sure, sure, 54. And right. you know, the second three P team gets a lot more attention because Jordan came back yes. and because Dennis Rodman was Rodgers on those there, teams yeah. and he was such a, uh, you know, a, Character. let's say gently an outlandish personality. Yes, yes. Um, I always say the, the first three P teams were better and, and Horace Grant is sort of an underappreciated person. Horace Grant, in every city that we would travel to, because I would travel with those teams, mm -hmm. uh, in every city, Horace Grant, I would see him personally in the street, bringing homeless people into the hotel, paying for their rooms, wow. um, bringing them money, trying to help them out. Um, he was he was a person with enormous compassion and empathy and just a really big heart. And he's someone that I've always admired in that regard. And I've always, that's always stuck in my head. It ended badly for him with the Bulls and it ended badly between him to some degree and Michael Jordan. And I've always felt bad that Chicago doesn't remember him as, as fondly as I think they should, because he, he was just a genuinely good human being. 
So he was the first person who comes to mind. Um, Chad Pennington, who really? was the quarterback of, of the sure. Jets for a period of time, is that kind of guy. Um, I, I've seen him uh, give of his time and of his energy um, in ways that are really um, inspiring over the course of time. I'll, I'll give you one. Michael Jordan, whom at the time that I was around him, and I was around him every day for four and a half years, was, I believe, the most famous person in the world. Mm -hmm. In the world. He was, when you take that into account, his feet were as close to being on the ground as they could possibly be. Now, he would not have been an easy teammate. Um, he would not have, I don't think he was always easy on the people around him. But I saw him spend more time with kids. I saw him spend more time taking care of every single person who wanted a picture, who wanted an autograph. Um, he was very, very good with fans. I, I believe that down deep in, inside, he is a very, very good guy. I'll give you a quick Wayne Gretzky story. This is early 90s in Chicago. Gretzky, I think, is playing for the LA Kings at the time. And he comes to town, and it is my job to go out to the pregame skate, which takes place in the late in the morning, and get some interview sound from him about playing that night because he's the biggest star in the world sure. and he's come to town. I get a speeding ticket on my way. So I am late and I miss the media availability. I get pulled over. I get there. By the time I get there, he's already done. Now I'm like a 24-year-old kid with a microphone. And I'm, I'm, this is like a Fuck. great opportunity yeah, for me. I'm worried up, right? I'm, I'm right. going to get fired if I didn't get this thing done. Certainly, it is not going to go over well that I didn't. So I position myself by the ice. Just me. This team is going through a skate. I'm standing there by myself. 24 years old, I think I was at the time. And I'm trying to figure out when they get done, where's he going to walk off or, or skate off so that I can chase him down and beg him on bended knee to let me ask him two questions so that I will have done my job today. Wayne Gretzky skates over to me and says, I didn't see you at the media availability a little bit earlier. Do you need anything? Wow. And I said, Oh my God. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. I, I got pulled over, but he said, okay, when we get done with this, you stand right over there and I'll meet you there. And I sat there for whatever it was, their 45 minute skate. And then I went and stood in that spot. He came right over. I asked him three questions. He answered them and I had done my job that day. And that was Wayne Gretzky at the height of his yeah. fame. So I don't know if that was a great answer to your question, but, no, but those were just some of the things great, that jumped to me. Those were great answers. That was great. Reading up uh, uh, about you a little bit, something hit me that we're kind of kindred spirits. You lost your dad about five, six years ago. He sounds like you, he was the greatest dad in the world. I had the same kind of dad. I lost my dad about eight, nine years ago. And I love that you said that every day of your life, you would talk to him about the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you what doesn't work, though. So the year that he died, well, he died in January of 2016. We, I found myself in Las Vegas a couple of months later. And I said, you know, all I wanted in my life was for my father and I, I grew up watching every Jet game together with him. We grew up in the old Shea Stadium, which I know is near and dear to you as well. Sure. It didn't matter if it was December and it was negative 10 and we were losing to Oakland 36 to three and in a season in which we were already three and nine. My dad always said a real fan stays to the end. So we sat there and watched these games. <laughs> And all I wanted was for my father and I to someday sit next to each other and watch the Jets play in the Super Bowl. And I, I was only one year old the one right. time that the Jets were in the Super Bowl. 
and I never got to do it. And I'll always be a little sad about that, but life goes on. Anyway, I'm in Vegas. And I said, if, if there is anything to this, the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Wherever my dad is right now, he's working on this. He's going to try and make this happen. So I put some money on the Jets to win the Super Bowl. And the Jets went 5-11. and 11. Right. So <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, but, you know, my father, um, it, it was from him that I developed this uh, this passion for sports, but for a lot of other things as well. Like my dad loved opera. Uh, he, he was a kid who grew up penniless in the Bronx. My, my grandparents were Polish immigrants who came to this country without the ability to speak any English. They fled. They didn't come willingly. They fled to this country and raised my dad in the Bronx. He was a completely self-made man, uh, went to City College in New York, got a full scholarship to NYU Law School and became a lawyer and had a wonderful life and provided a wonderful life for my brother and me and my mom. And and, um, and, and he loved, he was a, a, a person of a lot of culture. He loved opera. So I grew up going to the opera with him all my life. So I've always said, there are lots of people in the world who know more about sports than my dad. And there are a lot of people in the world who know more about opera than my dad. Not together. But if you made a Venn diagram <laughs> of those two things, I'm not sure how many people would be in it that knew more about the two of them combined than he did. He was a, a unique person in that way. A few more and then I'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time. Um, the salaries in your profession have gotten pretty starry. I mean, your, your, your salary is public. You make a very handsome living. And lately it's gotten crazy. Uh, I mean, let's start with Brady at $38 million a year. I, I mean, some people will say to me and have said, they read those numbers and they'll, and I explain it to them. I want to hear your explanation. I explain it. They go, wait a second. Yeah, Tom Brady's great or Troy Aikman's great. These are, you know, superstars. And, and in the case of Aikman, who's done it already, are superstars in what they do now. But are they getting one more viewer because they're there. And is that money need to be spent? Now, I'm not, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about like a show that you do where it's people are turning on and it's a personality. You're turning on to watch the game. So how do you explain, I have, a, as someone who understands the business and understanding of, of why those salaries are just going exponential at this point? This is a terrible answer, but I don't know, uh, which is to say, I think there is an enormous value to having, let's just say, what exactly? So Tony Romo, I think, is the one who kind of started. Kind of changed like, the math. Yeah, he got when that 18 he burst million onto right, the right. scene and was so good. He had this one night. Yeah, he was calling everybody. You'll remember yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City, New England, AFC Championship game. And my my son and my nephew were in my house and we were watching the game together. And it was an unbelievable football game. What one of the genuinely classic games in recent memory. And, you know, as is usually the case during a great game, they're both yelling and screaming. And at one point I said to them, guys, hold on a minute. Just listen to Tony Romo. Like, he's telling you everything. And we just sat there and listened in silence. And it was one of the, it was like a virtuoso performance. It, it yeah. was one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed. And from that moment forward, I feel like people have started to value that role more than ever before. Like he works with Jim Nance. Jim Nance has been the gold standard yeah. in, in my business for broadcast, you know, for, for sports announcers for as long as I can remember. Yeah, me too. Jim Nance on the Masters, he was born to do yeah. the Masters. Yeah. Do more people watch the Masters because Jim is doing it? I really don't know. But somehow 
His being there elevates. Elevates it. It elevates it. Al Michaels elevates it. We just hired Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Yes. Their being on a broadcast, it just elevates it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it makes more people watch. So I don't, I, there have to be other ways of measuring the value of that elevation, but it does just elevate the thing. And we have decided, and by we, I mean, you know, the people that ultimately that make these decisions, that the value of that is X. Now, the guy like Brady, you know, a guy like Brady has so many options in his life. He could do yeah. anything he yeah. wants. Yeah. So I think to get him to commit to something that has, um, uh, th- that requires as much of your time and energy as this will, they probably had to go someplace crazy with Brady because he's, he's going to be worth a billion dollars really soon right. if he's not already. Yeah. Um, so I think that would explain that number being so, uh, you know, so, so, so incredibly high. But for the other guys, like they elevated Troy and Tony Romo and, and those guys, they elevate the telecast and that has a real value. I agree. I think the other pure business side of it is the end of the day, every five, six, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, these deals are up and they are, there's so many billions of dollars at stake. And if you're coming in to present to the owners and then the owners committee, where what is your differentiation? You know, I mean, we're, we're all we're all broad, big broadcast networks. We're all so if you can walk in and say, oh, well, you know, we've got Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. It's like if that helps one inch move the deal and and help you get the rights, it's well spent. And I think that that's part of it. It's like you basically this is our production, this is our story. And I think that yes, they clearly elevate the product, but I think it's elevating in the sales room also. In the case of Brady- I think you're 100% right. No, I think you're 100% right. I, I also think when they, you know, when they, when they decide who's going to uh, broadcast, which networks are going to broadcast these games, you are also deciding who's going to broadcast the Super Bowl. Yes. Right? Because each East network will come forward and say, okay, and our number one team is this person, yes, that yes, person, yes. and this person. And that's just now the Super Bowl is the biggest event in, in American culture. Yes. Right. You're talking about a hundred and something million viewers and, and the next most watched thing on television that year will be a quarter of that. So um, you're, you're talking about you're presenting to them. I'm going to put this face and this yes. voice on something that you sell all over the world. That, that might be the single biggest cultural event that we have in our entire society. So I, I think I think it's it's all of those little pieces, and ultimately you arrive at how much that's worth in dollars and cents, and this is where we have arrived. And I think Brady went to such a transcendent space because he's transcendent. But you'll see as part of that deal, look, if you're somebody, if you're uh, Joe Smith and you're the head of marketing at Budweiser and you control hundreds of millions, billions of dollars of advertising, and oh, and by the way, as part of our deal, you're going to get to play a round of golf with Tom Brady. That is invaluable. And I guarantee as part, I guess you guys all have to do that stuff, but as part of the Brady deal, you'll see a lot of that in there because that's that's priceless. You can't, you, you these guys make business decisions like human beings. And there's something about Brady and he's a once every 50 year athlete. You know, you put Jordan in that category, you put Ali in that category uh, and you could put LeBron in that category. You know, th- these are these are truly, truly generational characters. Forget sports figures, just culture characters that are priceless in their interaction with the business community. I think that's part of it also. I think you're 100% right. What would people pay to play a round of golf with Tiger Woods? 
you know, a, and to use golf, right? Well, what? And he's another one who would go in that. Yes, Tiger category that you're yes, talking yes, about. Yes. It's it's in, it's it's invaluable. So whatever it is that Nike and whoever else it is, you know, he doesn't work for a a league. But but I mean, look, we all know the rumors that have been out there that live the new golf league. They apparently offered him very close to a billion dollars. I mean, a billion, billion dollars. dollars to come yeah. join them, and he wouldn't do it. Um, and didn't do it, but you might say, well, how could he be worth that? Can he pay for himself? My, my sense is there are ways that these deals pay for themselves. And I think you, you candidly, you probably understand a lot of that yeah. better than I do. What's your take on the whole live thing and the controversy and the, oh my God, these players selling their souls and Saudi Arabia and human rights. And what, what's your, what's first your and foremost, I, I'm, I, this, it's my favorite sport. I, yeah. I am a passionate golf how, how do you shoot? How do you fan shoot? and and a passionate and enthusiastic what's, what's the handicap golfer uh my index is 6.8 oh wow okay um, wow all right so you know i'm i'm better than some people and much much worse right. than others right um so i i i love the sport i hate that it is tearing the sport apart i hate it um i hate that we are going to get to a place really soon if we haven't already where you can no longer say the best players in the world are playing on the PGA tour every single week. Like that's just the re I mean, Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and some of these guys, like they're real players and the the Saudi Arabia piece of it is so complicated to me. Um, because look, the government of the United States of America does business with Saudi Arabia. By the way, you, you use, you use a credit card to go from Citicorp. That's their biggest investor, Saudi Arabia. Right? Right. I mean, it's just that they're the, you, you, it's, it's hard to peel it back. Yes. Every major private equity firm in America is constantly trying to get investment from them. Yes. Um, you know, and and so can I condemn a player, a golfer, for taking a life-changing amount of money because it comes from them? It's really very – I don't – it's such a complex issue. I'd like to think I wouldn't do it. I'd like to think that if I could make – a huge living on the PGA tour. Look, if I had no money and they offered me a hundred million dollars, sure, then of course yeah. I would do it. Yeah. I'd like to think if I make $20 million on the PGA tour and they offered me a hundred million dollars, that maybe I would say, you know what? I myself, I'm not working for those people. I yeah. myself, am not going over there and doing that, but that's easy to say when they're not offering it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know exactly how I would handle that situation, but I do know that I think it is really, really bad for the sport. And I think it's going to get much worse before it gets better. And uh, just as one who loves the sport, it, it kind of breaks my heart to see it. One last political question, and then I'm going to, I got a final question for you. A lot of press on ESPN when all of a sudden politics started to creep into broadcasts. Uh, some talent was let go. What is your, I don't want to make the question too general, um, we live in a world now where it's so many ways, it's hard to pull apart entertainment and politics and culture and sports. So how do you, but yet on the other hand, we, people turn into sports because they want to escape. So let's just say, uh, Donald Trump is throwing out the first pitch at a, and you and I have never talked politics, but he's throwing out a first pitch and the fans are either booing or applauding. Does an announcer at that point say something or you just let the action play out? No, I think an announcer definitely says something. There are two different... Um, I don't know if I framed that question right, but I think you know where well, I'm trying to get to. I, I know what you're saying. Here's There is the 
stick to sports thing that became um, very commonplace, a very commonplace conversation piece um, around ESPN and all people who do what I do. Right. And the reality is there was a time, I think, when it was reasonable to say people are coming to ESPN exclusively for sports conversation and largely to escape from the other issues of day to day life. You should stay away from it all completely. I don't think we live in that world anymore. The, the, the world has changed so much. The conversation has changed so much. Um, and the passions that have been ignited and, and all of that ha- have become so powerful and important that I think it is unrealistic to think that we are going to separate it completely. Now, very specifically to the question that you asked, there's a big difference between saying, Donald Trump has just walked out to the pitcher's mound and boy, listen to all of the booing, which is just reporting what's happening. And then the, that is vastly different from if someone were to say, he's and well, walked out to well the deserved mound. so that he's getting booed. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 boy, right, right. I can't believe they're not even booing louder. Or yeah, I yeah. hate him. Or yeah. I love him. These sure, fans should not be allowed to stay here and do this. Yeah. There, there's any number of, of ways that could yeah. go. Yeah. And that's different. And the way I look at it, having been at ESPN now as long as I have, I've been there next month, it'll be 26 years. Wow. Um, I think each of us has to make up our own mind how we feel about that and what we're comfortable with. Um, Those of us who have the luxury or the privilege of of having editorial control over our own shows, we get to make those decisions to a degree, um, you know, with some guidance. But I, I can just speak for myself. In the 26 years that I've been at ESPN, no one has ever said to me, Greeny, don't say this. You're not allowed to say this. You're not, you know, that that's never happened to me. I, I can't tell you whether it has or hasn't with others, but it has not happened with me. And I have found a place that I'm comfortable with where when I feel like I have to, I will state my opinion on something that is outside of the realm of sports. And then most of the time I stay within that box, stay within those lines. Yeah. That, that's what works for me. That That's what I feel good about just as a an American citizen and, 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 a, and a, you know, sort of a, a conscientious person and a father and everything else. Um, but I, I understand that others view it differently. And I respect everyone's right to sort of approach that decision on the air, however they see fit. I have an ad guy. I have to ask you, what's your favorite sports center commercial of all time? As, as an ad guy, sports <laughs> center has probably been the best consistent advertising over decades. So what, what's your number one? Could be one you were well, part of or, or just one in general? Well, I mean, I was in so few of them that, that um, it, it, my favorite one that I was ever in was with the tennis player, Andy Roddick, and my old friend, Stuart Scott. And uh, it was where Andy Roddick was complaining that we call Alex Rodriguez, A Rod, instead of calling him A Rod, and and that that was the the, 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 the that was the bit of that commercial. But I will say my favorite commercials now are anytime we see Stewart. Like yeah. Stewart was such a, a an extraordinarily dynamic, wonderful presence, and such a good guy. And what happened to him was so sad. Yeah, that when I see the old commercials with him when he was when he was still healthy before he started, you know, before he got sick. Um, it always puts a smile on my face. Like those make me feel really good. Yeah. So my my general answer to your question is: I love all the old ones with Stewart. He, he was That's a good, good he was a great guy. He was a good friend. And um, whenever I see the old commercials with him, it makes me feel good. Last question: I ask this of every guest I've ever had. What is the Mike Greenberg brand? I think I have carved out a place. Now I've been around long enough that I, I think when people think of me. 
I, I think because, so on my old show, on Mike and Mike, we, we talked about our kids all the time. We talked about our families. That was a conscious decision that Mike and I made right when we started. And my children, who are now 21 and 19, my daughter, the older of my two kids, was born the year we came on the air. So wow. our audience and the people who have been with me that long have sort of watched me through these experiences, through being a, a parent, through, through my kids growing up. My, my wife and I do a lot of stuff together on social media. My, we wrote a book about our dog. So I think that there is sort of a sports slash family connection that has been made that people sort of view me. I think I've become sort of, to some degree, like a little bit of the sports dad. <laughs> like, yeah. like you don't ever view yourself that way. But look, I'm 54 years old. I'm, I'm not 30. And you know, when we started that show, I was 32. Uh, and that, that's when a lot of people who are conscious of me now first became first, aware of they, me. They grew up with you and they um, their families. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not that anymore. So whenever I talk about things, I, I generally speaking relate them back to my experiences I had. You asked me a question earlier about basketball, and I told a story about my son's AAU experiences yeah. and how that shaped the way I view things. If you look at my social media, it is it is almost exclusively that stuff. So I think there's a lot of that tied into it. I I, I think that delightfully, obviously my brand first and foremost is I'm a person that people associate with sports, but I also think that I'm a person that people associate with family. And that is, I find, uh, very nice. We were always proud on the old show of doing a show that you could listen to with your kids in the car, that, that, that a lot of sports talk became kind of mixed with guy talk as it was somewhat and to some degree known. And we were never that we were always a family friendly yeah. show. And I think that has extended on into this next iteration of my career. And I feel very good about that. Good answer. Mike Greeny Greenberg, a class act. The show every morning, get up on ESPN, a big hit. NBA Countdown, of course, the Greeny radio show on ESPN News, a novelist. We'll save that for next time. A man of many, many hats. Thank you for, for your time. I, last time I got to talk to you was almost 15, 15, 16 years ago. What a pleasure to catch up. Yes, I, I totally agree. The last time I was on your old show, I sat next to Robert Klein, who was one of my my absolute idols when I was a kid growing up, and I couldn't have been more thrilled. Let's not let it be this long before we chat again. Stay well, my friend. You too. Thanks for listening to On Brand. Um, we love talking to you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, anyplace else. And watch our videos on YouTube. And we will see you next week on Our Brand. Have a great, safe week, everybody. Really appreciate you listening and watching. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power, to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more.
el condado de Santa Clara, está pasando por una emergencia de sequía extrema. Valley Water le pide a la comunidad que limite el riego de jardines a un máximo de dos veces por semana. Trabajemos juntos y digámosle sí a ahorrar agua. Visite watersavings.org para más información. 